Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. It's always exciting to have a new treatment for conditions that can be difficult to treat. This is the case with transcranial magnetic stimulation, also known as TMS. In October 2008, the FDA approved it for use in major depression. It is sometimes also known as RTMS, with the R meaning repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulations. Today we are going to talk about its approved use in depression and also explore some of the new areas in which it might be helpful. Joining us is Dr. Carl Enocha from the TMS Center of New England, which is actually in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I have a beginning question. Is TMS unique in that it will work in patients who fail our other treatments, or is this just another treatment whose efficacy is not particularly different? Why, why do we have it? TMS actually fills an important need in the treatment of depression. Several years ago, there was a major study called the STAR-D study, which was an NIH-funded study that took seven years to complete. And what it showed was that only 30% of patients achieve full remission of their depression with the first antidepressant they try. And the likelihood of achieving remission decreases steadily with each treatment failure. So after a patient has failed three antidepressants, the likelihood of achieving remission with a fourth or a fifth is only about 10%, and at least 15% of patients never achieve remission, no matter how many medications they try, yet these are precisely the patients for whom TMS can be effective. So this is for treatment-resistant depressions, or would it be used earlier on? Do we need to see someone fail the antidepressants and ECT and those types of things before they come for TMS? Well, according to the current FDA approval or the indications for its use, TMS is for patients who have failed at least one antidepressant trial in the current episode. But TMS should not be regarded as a treatment of last resort by any means. And more and more often now, patients are inquiring about TMS and thinking about it as an alternative to medications because although medications may be effective for some people, they can also cause problems in the form of side effects, which some patients may prefer to avoid. So how does TMS work? Well, TMS is a treatment that uses highly focused MRI strength magnetic pulses, which can be directed very precisely to specific parts of the brain, that is the cerebral cortex or the outer layers of the brain. And by directing those magnetic pulses at specific areas, what we can do is stimulate the brain cells in that region, activating them and restoring them to a normal level of functioning. Is it similar in, when you get down to the cellular level, is it like ECT in some respects? Well, it's a very different treatment than ECT. The only similarity between the two is that ultimately both of them are a form of electrical stimulation of the brain, but they are very different. ECT must be done under general anesthesia. TMS is always given while a person is awake. ECT stimulates the entire cerebral cortex and, in fact, the entire brain from the cortex all the way to the brain stem. TMS not only stimulates specific part of the cortex, but it only stimulates the outer layers of the cortex. So it is a very precise, very localized 
form of stimulation that allows it to be used for very specific purposes in a very controlled and precise way. One of the things that we have always wanted in medicine were medications that went just where we wanted them to go. You know, they take a pill and it goes to their brain and it goes to their nose and it goes to their toes and everywhere Mm -hmm. else. And it seems that TMS now is giving us an opportunity to focus as a surgeon would focus, to just cut out the piece of tumor that he needs to and not touch anything else. This is a very exciting aspect of it. I think that's a very important point because, after all, antidepressants are molecules, so they have to be ingested. In order to reach the brain, they have to travel through the bloodstream. Along the way, they pass through every organ system of the body, which is why they can sometimes cause side effects. TMS, on the other hand, acts only in the brain and has no effects anywhere else in the body. Are there any side effects at all to TMS? Is it that clean? The only side effect from TMS is a localized tingling sensation on the scalp, which is caused by the magnetic pulses as they stimulate sensory cells in the skin of the scalp. Most people adapt to that quickly and it's not unusual for patients to fall asleep during a treatment session. I've noted that the patients that I've had go for TMS, they say it's very interesting. You go and have the treatment and go out and do whatever you're going to do for the rest of the day. That's right. Because there's no anesthesia used, patients can drive themselves to and from treatment and go about their business immediately afterwards. How quickly does treatment begin to show some therapeutic benefit? It's very interesting because there appears to be a biphasic effect from TMS meaning that there is an initial response and then a subsequent response. And the initial response is often seen by the end of the first week of treatment, where many patients will report changes in certain symptoms. Usually what they'll find is that their sleep quality is a little better. And what's very interesting is that almost everyone reports that their thinking is sharper and clearer and their memory seems to be better. There may be some improvement in mood as well, but what's interesting is that over the course of that first weekend, patients will often feel worse. They'll feel as if their depression is coming back. And that's actually, when that happens, a good sign because what it means is that the treatment is working. In the beginning, what we're doing is stimulating existing circuits in the brain. But when that stimulation is temporarily withdrawn, those circuits don't just go back to the way they were, but there's a kind of rebound effect. So some of the symptoms may appear to be coming back. But then as the treatment continues, what the TMS stimulus does is stimulate the formation and the growth of new connections and even new circuits in specific parts of the brain. So that improvement becomes more sustained and continuous over time. Is there a rule of thumb for how many TMS treatments or maybe it should be measured in weeks or months of what's necessary? Most patients who respond to TMS get better in about four weeks. If treatment continues longer, more patients will respond. It's interesting that it also takes roughly four weeks for antidepressants to work. That's correct. But this is a cleaner intervention. That's correct. So by the same token then, how long do the benefits last after TMS stops? The studies so far have shown that after six months, 90% of patients who achieve remission are still in remission. And do a lot of these people, are they taking antidepressant medications at this time? Is, it, is there a mixture or? There's usually a mixture. Many patients, in 
fact, most patients who consider TMS have had depression for a long time and often are taking four, five, or more different medication at the time they begin treatment. So over the course of treatment, it's almost always possible to reduce the number of medication a person is taking. And in many instances, it's possible to come off medications entirely. But there's evidence, too, to suggest that medications often work better after a course of TMS because of the effects of the TMS on the brain and by strengthening those circuits, which are in the areas where the antidepressants themselves work, those medications may be more effective. So in a, in a way, it augments the... Well, they work together then. The they work together. They, they reinforce one another. In the world of ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, we have at times also heard of people needing maintenance ECT. They go in once a week, once a month, whatever it is for them. Is that a pattern that's developing for TMS? Well, as I mentioned, about 90% of patients who achieve remission remain in remission for for an extended period of time. Of the 10% who relapse, about 40% require the reintroduction of TMS, which can be sometimes in the form of booster treatments, in other words, just a few treatments to get them back to their previous state of wellness. But in some instances, longer term or maintenance treatment might be required. And what that will often consist of is a single treatment given at some specified interval of perhaps one every four weeks or so. Okay, so it speaks also to the very common adage that the patient and the doctor have to work together and can keep in contact, as simple as it is. It's very important. Now, these are all the standard indications for TMS, dealing with major depression, and obviously, like you said earlier, after there's been at least one failure. I would like to explore something that's a bit more interesting. And as we go in talking about where TMS research is going, I need to say in, in my standard way that what we're about to talk about is not FDA approved and any decision, any treatment for, for, for any condition is a, is a decision that has to be made between the individual patient and the doctor. So that being said, many years ago when we started working with antidepressants, we began to explore its use for other conditions outside of depression and we found it was useful in obsessive compulsive disorders, pain, anxiety, and other such uh, conditions. What seems to be on the horizon? In which conditions is it being explored? Well, to talk about this, I think it's important to make sure people understand that TMS has actually been around for quite some time. Although it was only approved in the United States as a treatment for depression in October of 2008, TMS itself as a technology and as a technique has been around since 1985. It's a long time. I say that is a long time. So there has been quite a bit of research done in a number of different clinical areas. TMS was originally used as a brain mapping tool, and the fact that it can be an effective treatment for depression was an accidental discovery made when it was used during research investigations of individuals suffering from Parkinson's disease. But there have been a number of investigations in a wide range of clinical areas. The FDA has approved TMS as a treatment for so-called unipolar depression, but it is also a treatment that works quite well for bipolar disorder, not only in the depressed phase of the illness, but also in the manic phase of the illness, 
although the way in which TMS is used in those two phases is a little different. And that is one of the, the beauties of TMS, is that there are four key parameters, the location that is being stimulated, the frequency of the stimulation, the intensity of the stimulation, and the duration of the stimulation. And by altering those key parameters in different ways, TMS can be used for different purposes. In the July issue of the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, Christina Slotema and her colleagues reported their findings from a recent meta-analysis of 47 separate TMS studies and concluded that TMS should be regarded as a standard treatment for depression. But they also pointed out that it should be regarded as a standard treatment alternative for patients with schizophrenia who experience auditory hallucinations. TMS has been shown to be effective in some people suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder. It's also an effective treatment for certain types of pain conditions, including migraine headache, fibromyalgia. It has been used to reduce the symptoms of tinnitus, which is a very bothersome, persistent ringing in the ears. In the August issue of the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, Paul Boggio reported findings from a new study finding that TMS is an effective treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Here again, the way in which TMS is used is a bit different than it is used routinely to treat depression. TMS has been used experimentally to treat epilepsy that does not respond to anti-epileptic drugs, and it has also been used experimentally to aid in recovery from stroke. So there are a wide range of ongoing investigations. So it, it raises a question in my mind, and I hope I can say this in a simplistic enough way that it makes sense. But you said early on in understanding or explaining how it works in depression that it causes neuronal architecture to change, some changes in the makeup of the cells or the glia cells. When you treat, is the focus of the TMS treatment at a different place in the brain? Are we learning to localize that depression comes from one part of the brain and tinnitus comes from another part of the brain? Is that what's happening? Because it's so focused when they, when they put the units on the head. Or am I speaking ahead of where science is? No, 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 no. You're exactly on target there. TMS really does represent, in many ways, the coming together of a number of different branches of neuroscience. TMS has been used in conjunction with various types of neuroimaging, for example, such as functional MRI and PET scanning and has been combined with electroencephalography or EEG and all of these techniques used together have allowed us to map brain function with unprecedented detail and accuracy but not only brain function also brain circuitry and not only in the cortex but deeper inside the brain as well. So we now are on the verge of a, a whole new era in the treatment of neuropsychiatric illness in general as a result of our expanding knowledge base. The spinoff of that in terms of the day-to-day -day treatment is that with time, we'll be able to focus the treatments. Again, the oncologists, they give chemotherapy, it goes all over the body. That's why people get so sick. But if we could just put the 
chemotherapeutic drugs just in the tumor. That would be that's so right. much better. And that's what yeah. we're doing here. Or we're going correct. in that direction. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. So is there any prediction, any sense of how long it will be before some of these indications are brought before the FDA? Are we looking at something coming down the road quickly or is still a lot of work to be done? Well, I think it depends on which particular clinical area uh, you're referring to. I think that it will probably be just a, another year or so before we see some expansion in the indications probably in terms of using TMS to treat auditory hallucinations and anxiety symptoms, perhaps particularly those associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. I think for some of the other indications, it may be a bit longer. Are there any other indications that you see coming down the road that are particularly interesting to you? Well, I think that one important area for TMS will be in the treatment of adolescent depression. As many people know, there has been a growing concern in recent years about antidepressants sometimes making depression worse and sometimes causing people to develop suicidal thoughts. This has been an especial concern with adolescents. What is interesting is that unlike all antidepressant medications, which now have a so-called black box warning attached to them, There is no such warning associated with TMS because there is no evidence that TMS can lead to suicidal thinking, either in adolescents or other patients for that matter. So this is a very promising perspective use for it, and again, more and more the reason that we keep attuned to what's developing in the field and hopefully encourage as much research and and clinical practice, because a lot of this information comes from just old-fashioned clinical practice, because it takes us a little bit closer to some of the core issues that people are suffering from and our ability to intervene and treat them with minimum side effects. Very, very intriguing. Joining us today is Dr. Carl Inocha from the TMS Center of New England, which actually, as I said earlier, is in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. This has been a very interesting update and tour of a very fascinating treatment intervention that's only a couple years old in terms of psychiatry, but much older, as you said, in terms of medicine. Thank you so much for being with us, sir. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you.